Hey, my name's Louie and welcome to... I'm just going to go for it. Hey, I'm Louis, nutritionist and personal trainer, and it's my privilege to welcome you to Between Two Plates, the strength vitality podcast where we discuss everything between gym plates and kitchen plates to do with fitness, nutrition and mental health. In this episode, we get to sit down with Kate Taylor, the food boss, registered associate and MNU certified nutritionist and mama to Kit to discuss nutrition and staying healthy as a new mum. Kate has established an extensive and impressive career in the industry, from nutritional academia into the high levels of consultancy within the food industry and running a successful clinic, coaching one-to-one clients as well as corporate clients, helping people fall in love with food again. Most excitingly, Kate has recently added becoming a mum to her credentials and is rocking that too. Today we get to benefit from Kate's experiences as a professional and as a mum as we discuss the food boss's background in the industry and some powerfully practical advice for staying healthy as a new mum. If anyone has any questions relating to any of the topics discussed in this interview, please don't hesitate to email me at louis at strengthvitality.com. And as ever, thank you again, and we really hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited about this. Um, and it's, it's, it, all of the things are actually topics I'm really keen to learn on myself. So you're, uh, you're here to chat to us and educate us on not only your experience in the food industry, uh, becoming a nutritionist, which is all very exciting, all of the education there. And you're also going to talk to us about staying healthy as a new mum, right? I am. Yeah, I'm delighted to be um, chatting to you today as well. Yeah, just to kind of just share lots of experiences and talk a bit about my story and a bit about what I do. But also, yeah, I think the mum thing is um, it's new and I think a lot of other mums or mums-to-be might benefit from it as well. So, yeah. A hundred percent. Like a hundred, hundred percent. So let's, okay, let's start with, let's start with you. So what is your journey into uh, the world of nutrition? Because um, I can see that you are hyper-qualified. It was really cool to check out the website and see that. Where was, where did the sort of decision to work in nutrition or, or begin that education and then to where you are now? What's that, what's that journey look like? Yeah, cool. So um, I went to uni in London. Obviously, I'm not from England. I was born born and bred in Australia and um, was always really interested in like biology, chemistry, like I did sciencey stuff at school. Um, and then I went traveling for a couple of years. I went to America and worked in the States and stuff and didn't go to uni. And then I came to England um, and, I'd all, and I'd always been interested in food. I think that comes from um, my dad, he's like a massive foodie, um, always is like sending me pictures of his homegrown tomatoes and chilies and sends me pictures. I've actually put some on my Instagram. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, the photography is not that great, uh, but he needs to work on that. But yeah, so <laughs> kind of, kind of always loved food. Um, and then came to England and I was like, do you know what, what an amazing place to kind of gain an education at a London uni. What am I going to study? So I looked up loads of different courses and ended up going for a um, nutrition and sports science double um, degree because I'd always been quite sporty in school and stuff like that. So um, did my degree here, which was amazing, really cool, uh, and graduated in 2011. Um, So I've kind of been in the industry for like nine years now. And it was only when when we were talking, I was like, oh, when did I graduate? And I thought, gosh, like nine years. It's actually ages. That's crazy. Um, 
yeah, so did that. And then um, I guess I'd always, as well as being a lover of food and really sporty, I'd also always kind of been a bigger kid. I'd always like been, um, yeah, just my family's bigger and I'd always, you know, just struggled a little bit. When I moved to England, I met my, my now husband um, I, I put on quite a lot of weight, which was when I was studying and it always just, then I kind of got my act in, into gear after that and was like, right, I need to actually sort my own health out. And we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more later, but like it, it took me probably the best part of like eight to 10 years to do that. And I yeah. think a lot of people struggle with that whole oh, I want to change my lifestyle. I'm going to do it in six months. Right. Really, when I look back, it, it has taken that amount of time. So um, obviously I'm qualified, so it has helped me to do that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into it and wanted to make changes to my own life and always had loved food and all of that. So I did my degree um, and then I was like, right, like what am I going to do now? I don't have a job. Um, so I was working as an admin person and I just on a whim sent loads of emails out to companies and was like I've got no experience um but I'm a nutritionist I'm qualified like can I have a job uh and a catering company got back to me and they were like yeah let's meet and have a coffee um and I did and that was how I kind of got my first step into the food industry yeah so just all about taking a chance and what were you doing there what was your sort of role within that So when I got the job there, they didn't have a nutritionist. They were a relatively small company and I worked there for about six years and my role kind of evolved. So when I joined, I worked with um, their food director um, and basically they were a company that would provide um, the, the food and run like the staff canteens and the staff restaurants. So, you know, like big buildings like banks and law firms and all of that. So I worked with the food director and we would do things like um, generate recipes. I would run workshops, write like nutrition training programs. Um, I did a lot of work on like allergies, but all about in a food business. So like how to manage allergies within a food business, um, dealing with like government legislation and regulation around nutrition. Um, you went into it like heavy. Yeah. You went into yeah. it heavy. And remember, like when I first started, it was just me and I had no one. So I was like, <laughs> oh God, I've never done this. Like this is, yeah. So, but I loved it. And actually after the six years, when I finished, I had three nutritionists working for me within the business. So we'd grown to a team of four. Um, there was, yeah, there was three in the UK and one in Ireland, cool. um, which was like amazing. And then, I, yeah, so I did that, kind of got to the end of my um, time there and, you know, like things naturally come to an end in these situations and I was like, what am I going to do? So I left and I started my own nutrition consultancy just, yeah, and that's where the food boss was born. Yes. So what sort of, what are we talking time-wise? When did, when was the beginning of the food boss? Yeah, so I left there in um, 2016 and then the Food Boss started in March 2017. So I had like a little bit of a break because basically before that, um, in the last kind of 12 months of my job, I was working in in a different capacity within the business and I was so like working like a mad woman basically. Um, I'm not even joking. But because of that, I had basically had no social life 
and I saved loads of money because I wasn't doing anything. Right. So because I'd done that, that gave me the time at the start of 2017 to actually like take a bit of time, invest in what I want, like in the business and growing the business. Um, yeah. And then I'm also a level two qualified um, group fitness instructor. So whilst I was doing that, I was just teaching classes at gyms on the side awesome. just to have a bit of disposable money. Um, yeah. And then I, so I invested that into the business and then around about March time was when, yeah, we launched in 2017. So yeah, it's kind of like through just over three years. I can't believe it's been that long actually. And you've done so well, right? Since. Oh, thanks. The, yeah. um, um, how, how, okay. So when you're working with people. Yeah. So when someone comes to you, who's coming to you for support and how are you working with them? So yeah, I, my business operates on, um, there's kind of two different angles really. So obviously because my background's in the food industry, I have corporate clients that come to me. So they would be businesses similar to what I worked in. Um, and I consult for them. So I advise them on menus. I write training programs for them. I deliver workshops, talks, seminars in, in like a corporate environment. Um, and then on the one-to-one side, so I really wanted to work with people on a one-to-one basis, probably stemmed from my own journey that I spoke about at the start. So where cool. it had taken, you know, I, I used to be um, like 88 kilos. I didn't exercise. I um, drank loads of alcohol. I smoked uh, like all of this stuff. I ate really bad, like not bad. I shouldn't say that, but I ate like yeah. really poor food choices all the time right um and yeah and then because it took me kind of eight to ten years to do that myself to kind of now i um eat a really balanced diet but hopefully anybody that follows me on instagram will see that i am having my daily chocolate lockdown diaries at the moment (laughs) Um, which actually surprisingly has taken off i get more messages about what daily chocolate i'm gonna have than i do about my actual (laughs) why do you think Um, sorry to interrupt you but why do you think that's an important thing for someone like yourself you're you're an authority on nutrition to do something like that with the chocolate because it just shows real life. And I think there's such a, it's particularly for women, but it's, it is more so becoming apparent for men, but particularly for women, for so long, we've been told kind of what we should look like and what we should eat. And also as a nutrition professional, I am forever, whenever I go anywhere, and you have that conversation like, oh, hi, what do you do? Oh, I'm a nutritionist. Oh, right. Well, yeah, this morning I had um, porridge. <laughs> That's what people say to you, don't they? They say, oh, and what do you think about this? And I, and, and there's nothing against that, but they, it's almost like you only eat foods that are green and nutritious yes. and like super healthy all the time. And actually that isn't real life. Like I eat chocolate, I drink gin and wine and like, you know, I eat croissants and all of those kinds of things. And, but you've got to showcase that because otherwise people don't believe it. Yeah. A hundred percent. So yeah. So, um, yeah. So the daily chocolate, That's um, <laughs> I can't remember where I was going with that now. Why? So you're, you're explaining chocolate. very well why the daily chocolate is helpful for people. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's why I've kind of started doing that. And then, um, yeah, the other part of my business is working with people on a one-to-one basis. So, um, I have an online, um, coaching group that I, um, have just recently started during lockdown actually. And I have a Facebook community as well. And that, that's a more affordable, uh, way 
for people to make long-term change. Awesome. Um, so the group runs for six weeks and we talk, it's, it's predominantly women, um, a lot of mums, and we just talk about um, how to make habit-based changes. Uh, most people are still looking for weight loss and that's totally okay as well. I just want to point that out that there's a lot of um, messages out there at the moment that are, um, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't want to lose weight and losing weight can be dangerous and all of these types of things. But if you actively want to lose weight and you do it in a sustainable way, then totally fine. Um, so yeah, so that, that's a six work pro week program. And then um, that moves into my um, online community, which is a bit that basically you get a bit less support. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's what I do. And then I also consult with individuals on a one-to-one -one basis over like Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, um, based on their goals. And that is typically, um, again, weight loss, but I, but then I also specialize with just women. So women's health in particular, and I do a little bit of sports stuff as well. Um, namely like endurance running stuff like that. Cause I love running. So yeah, that's, yeah, yes. that's kind of my business. That's, that's amazing. That is amazing. Oh. And you're doing so much as well. You're doing so okay. much, but it's also, I do also like that there's a, there's a very clear intention like you can hear that you're in your practice you're quite you're you're open to you're absolutely right there's a at the moment the industry seems to be a bit like totally weight neutral is the only way or you've got like yeah. hyper macros count everything and there's that middle ground that's needed and yeah i love that you're bringing that into your practice and while you totally and i'm about to talk to you about this this sort of the approach with like longer term change while you clearly appreciate that you're also open to people being like hey look i want to lose weight and like that's okay we're going to work yeah. together and probably expand on that a little bit why yeah. do you think so at the beginning you mentioned about you you had like um you had quite a long journey like of, of self-exploration yeah and then you, you you said that people sort of have these expectations of like six months and i think even six months is quite a long expectation for some people why yeah. do you think um that these expectations have been cultivated in people to to expect quite fast transformations and i put that in inverted commas yeah 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 it's um it's an interesting one isn't it i think we live in a world today where we can get everything at the drop of a hat you know like amazon drops deliveries at your doorstep like even the same day um so yeah. we expect everything now we also live in such a fast-paced environment even in terms of work where you know if you don't reply to an email in four hours people kind of are like oh you know, <laughs> panic stations um when actually is that realistic um because that can in turn cause extra stress um and i also think the other element to that is uh social media and even before social media, when we look back at things like magazines and newspapers and television, the, um, and I know that we're going to talk about this later, but around the pressure on people to look a certain way and to be a certain way and that it happens so quickly. And particularly when it comes to um, mums is that whole thing of like, oh, she only had a baby like three weeks ago and look at her now and all of that kind of stuff. So societal pressure um, I think is is really the driver behind this and also our inability to wait which is the whole things can be delivered you know at the drop of a hat so I'll get there and I'll get there now we're always rushing and now what we're seeing is actually people are starting to kind of invest I put in inverted commas again in inverted commas in self-care where yeah. they're like oh actually slowing down once a week and actually doing something for myself is very very beneficial 
for me yes. um, from a health perspective. And I think people are starting to learn that. But again, it's going to take a really long time for people to learn that because it's not what they've naturally been doing for the last kind of 20, 30 years. Yes. It's so tough because you've got this vicious cycle where you have a consumer which expects results. It's like 12 week programs. It's like the jam, yeah. isn't it? A consumer expects this. A coach that's then like, well, that's what I've got to deliver to fit into this market. And then it just it becomes this vicious cycle. I've got yeah. my, like a personal thing about transformation pictures and like putting dates with it. I'm like, yeah. why is that? All that, like you've just taken a picture. This is how they look different in this time frame. And yeah. all you do is then put on a pedestal. A successful transformation is the speed at which you can change your body. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> that's, yeah. Surely that's not how and it is. We, we just had this conversation actually in my, um, I had it with uh, one of my online coaching clients about this whole time frame thing. And like, you know what okay you want to you want to get to whatever weight or you want to lose this amount amount of weight because that's what a lot of the conversations are around and i said but why does it matter when when like yeah. you know we might need to pencil in a bit of a break at that time or this time or whatever whatever but the the whole point of it is that you want to get there and become healthy and stay there it's yes. more important that you stay there than how long it takes you to get there and we might have periods where you're like really motivated and feeling and you know you might have really good results and then it might take you a little bit longer to get to the next stage but ultimately you just want to you want to be able to maintain that change for the rest of your life yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah but it's what's so good again going back to how you were saying you work with people is that you're not meeting people with like no i'm not working with you because you want fast weight loss you're inviting them in you're being like hey i can help you and then as soon as you be you begin to build that trust you can start to talk to them and, and explore those well actually maybe we're gonna have some more broader uh, expectations yeah. and etc which is really cool that's great yeah yeah so, thanks so there's also some other cool stuff you're a new mum I'm a new mum. Yes. Yeah, I am. <laughs> How old's um, Kit now? Kit is four and a half months. Wicked. So yeah, he was born um, in February just before lockdown, basically. So um, he spent the first five weeks of his life able to see people. And then uh -huh. we went into lockdown and he's just been us, me and my husband and him. So yeah, it's um, it's such a roller coaster. It's amazing, but it's just such a a change and and yeah but he's great he's great he's in bed at the moment which is also great he's literally come along and shut down the party he's like i'm here now you got yeah. you got to chill with me for a while yeah yeah but he do you know what he's he's yeah he's brilliant he's brilliant. Yes. So, yeah does it at four months can you sort of see a personality in him oh definitely yeah awesome. definitely yeah like he he laughs and he giggles and he we, we kind of think he's going to be a bit of a stubborn uh, little boy, which is probably, like, I mean, where me and my husband are both, uh, you know, I'm pretty driven and so is he. Um, so we think he's going to be a little, a little bit of a, a stubborn boy, but yeah, he's, that's awesome. he's, cool. he's pretty, he's pretty chilled most of the time. So that's did, good. did being a new mum match your expectations? Um, I, do you know what? I, I guess yes and no. Like I didn't, what I would say is because I'm so driven and I've always been so passionate about my work and I've been very focused on my work. I never, it's not that I didn't want to be a parent, but it was never really a priority. I was, I was like, Oh yeah, that'd be cool one day, but you know, it's not really for me. But what I would say is I actually really love it. 
and it's changed me in that way. So I, I didn't think I would love it as much as I have, um, which is which is really nice actually. Um, and I am still that driven person, and I'm still committed and focused and motivated and and all of that. But it's just changed. It's just changed things a little bit. So. Um, yeah, so in that way to my expectations, I've probably loved it more than I thought I would. Cool. Um, yeah, but it's also been, um, oh, like, without a doubt, the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, really? And people, yeah, and people said, you know, um, I, I've i done, like, loads of, like, fitness challenges and all of those, and um, I ran the London Marathon in 2018, and people are like, oh, you've run a marathon, like, you'll be fine, and all that. It's way harder than that. Like, I'm just not even going to dress it up. <laughs> If you're um, um, if you're someone listening to Kate now and you're thinking about having a kid, don't let this put you off. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, don't. It, it's amazing, but like without a doubt, you know, it's the most, it's the hardest, the most challenging, but also the most rewarding thing. So, um, yeah, but I think like so about being a new mum. That's what it's like in terms of expectations. I think the whole pregnancy journey is. Um, in terms of my expectations there, and uh, we were talking about this before, but I've put a lot of information up on my blog about pregnancy and just different topics. So things like sleep, um, food, exercise, um, my, my birth stories up there as well, just about what happened. And I think my expectations there, and this is probably where it's a little bit harder to get your head around, but it, I, I was very fit before, um, you know, looked after myself a lot, uh, obviously said I'm very driven with work and everything. I did a hypnobirthing course. It was, you know, I was really, I was like, yeah, this is great. And everyone had kind of said, you know, you'll be fine because you're really fit and it, 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 labor will be easy. Like it, it definitely works in your favor. And I just think don't, don't close your mind okay. to how you, for anyone that's listening that is, you know, planning on getting pregnant or is pregnant don't close your mind in terms of how you think think things might be. I'm quite. I was always quite open minded about how things might have gone. I always thought I'd have a natural labour, and I didn't. Um, and okay. I ended up having to have a cesarean after being in labour for two days. So um, because it just wasn't it wasn't progressing how it should have. And I think that's really really important because people will say things like that. Oh, you'll be fine. Like, you know, you've done all of the, the, um, the research and like you're really fit and healthy and all of that. And actually think that is really out of your control. Um, so just right. make sure that you can keep an open mind because I certainly never expected to have a cesarean ever, even though I knew it was an option, but I just never thought it would, it would happen. And do you think that maybe it came as more of a shock because you'd had a lot of people sort of like with good intention sort of telling you like, Hey, like you're super fit, you're super healthy, you're well read, you're going to be okay. Yeah, I think so. And obviously, like you say, it's with good intention. Like people don't, they're not saying it to like, <laughs> make anxious or anything. Yeah. but at the end of the day, then you, you're kind of like, Oh yeah. Like that's probably true. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, that, that, yeah, I do look after myself, but actually you just don't know what's going to happen. So that was probably one of the things that didn't, um, yeah, like what I expected was completely different to okay. how the outcome was. But the outcome was that we got a healthy son and he's great and, and we're both well and, you know, it's, um, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, that was probably the one thing that I was a bit like, oh, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I, but the, and then the, you could also argue, congratulations first, but you could also okay. argue that perhaps while that didn't meet your expectations, 
because of your investment in your health from all of the ways that you have done and yours and your and your well readness you probably were able to manage that situation however tough it must have been yeah in the bet you're in the best possible position to manage that situation so yeah. still like tech is to yeah. you for, for, yeah. for getting through that oh, and now thanks. you guys are healthy happy yeah. and rocking in a wicked yeah. office I don't know, i've already said that oh today. yeah thanks yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, look, and I think you're right on that. And one thing I would say is um, around the whole thing about being fit and like looking after yourself, it does benefit you after. So yeah. after having a baby, if you start your pregnancy, you know, in the best possible way in terms of your health status, um, so that you, you know, you regularly move, you eat well, you stay hydrated, you take the supplements that you're supposed to take um, that are recommended, um, you generally try to avoid like big stresses in your life if you can, um, then that bodes well for you after you've had the baby because your body will kind of recover a lot quicker than if you're um, in a in a not as healthy state, I guess, before. How long did it, when you found out you were pregnant, were you like, right, I'm on this, like, bang, reading everything, like, I want to get, or did it, were you sort of like, was this sort of phase of like, I'm just going to sit in this in a, for a bit, and then I'm going to start reading, what was the, what was the thought process there? So when I found out I was pregnant, I was so sick, so I was just, oh like, no, no, oh, that was awful. <laughs> I, um, I had really bad nausea up until about 16, 17 weeks, and it wasn't like morning sickness, it would come at any time of day, so at that time, I just felt like rough as, um, but yeah, so, but I was like, I was excited. Um, and I'd say I, um, yeah, pretty much straight away. Cause that's the kind of person I am. Like I, yes. I just, I throw myself into things. I, I'm, I was like, right. Okay. So what are we doing? Like, I love a plan. I'm really organized. Um, yeah. So as soon as I found out, I started researching, reading, looking up like courses, but also I was very, um, conscious not to read too much because the internet is a absolute minefield, particularly when it comes to pregnancy, um, an absolute minefield on what, you know, where to get information from. So I went to, um, I actually did my hypnobirthing with the positive birth company, uh, which are online. It's really affordable and it's all videos and stuff that you can watch. Uh, and then there was a couple of um, other books and things that I read, but I didn't really go overboard in terms of searching, but I just did start looking into things quite early on. And what about your husband? Did he sort of, did you direct him with some learning? Was he quite self-motivated with that? Yeah, he was good actually. So I would, with the hypnobirthing, I would watch the videos. They were really short and then I'd send him like the ones I thought would be relevant because it's not, there's a lot of like anatomy and physiology stuff in there. That's actually, it's not just about labor. Um, but yeah, so I would send him and then he would watch them. And then I actually started listening to loads of podcasts, which about um, like listening to other mums, to their stories. Um, it just helped me understand there was loads of different options out there of what could happen. And I also actually listened to some with dads and then I would send them to him cool. and say, oh, this might be good. And he, I think there is a podcast called, it's, uh, I'll try and send it, I'll find out what it is and send it to you so you can put it in the notes. But um, it's, a, it's just with dads. And I think it's a comedian that hosts it actually. And he found that really useful because he could relate to it and he loves comedy um, and it was something that he, um, yeah, that he really 
found some useful tips on. Would you recommend if mums or dads are looking for information, would you recommend them navigating the world of information in a similar way? Yeah, I think so. The other thing I, I would say is, um, yeah, so find a, decide kind of what your, I, hey, if you're going to do hypnobirthing or not, it would be my option, my option for that. But also if you've got friends um, or family, I would speak to them. I found so much, I'm very lucky in, um, my position in that I'm one of the last people in my friendship group to have children. Um, and actually my friends have been probably one of the only things that got me through. Cause I could, I listened to all their advice and then I just took on board and tried things, you know, when, it, when I wanted Brilliant. to, and if they didn't suit me, it was fine, but just listen, the advice can get overwhelming. Um, but listen, but what I'd also say is ask, ask questions and ask people that you trust cool. because it's, um, you know, like I said, I was really sick with nausea, but not everybody gets that. So it depends. There's so many different symptoms. What priorities did you, when you found out you were pregnant and you're obviously straight on it, did you have like a, with your life, like a priority shift? Did, were you like, okay, did things get, sort of go off the table? Did things come on the table? Where did you prioritize? Yeah, I think I was still um, so focused on work. Um, and, okay. and if I'm honest, I think, I don't think, um, I didn't think it would change my, my priorities as much as it did. Um, and that's probably me being a little bit naive in terms of how much, you know, things change. It doesn't mean that you can't work when you're a mum because I, you know, I took three months off and then started the business back up. And I think that's because it's, your it's your when it's your own business it's very different as well um because it's yours um but yeah i think i just thought i'd just keep kind of cracking on with work and it'd all be fine and all of that but as i certainly towards the end when things i started to get tired and things like that my workload started to wind down um but yeah and then i i've always loved uh exercising and my, um, I had to stop running at 20 weeks. But I mean, I was delighted that I made it halfway through. Person, like, well done. Like, well, that's pretty good. Uh, and I said to myself, but yeah, my priorities changed there because I couldn't physically run anymore. Um, and I didn't, I, I genuinely thought I'll, I'll be able to run up until kind of, you know, 30 weeks, 32 weeks. And I couldn't. Um, but yeah, I think, and my priorities just changed around having to look after myself as well I think in a different way because you've got to you're looking after someone else as well so as much as I guess nutrition even though it's always been a massive part of my life both professionally and personally it changed because I was nourishing someone else as well not just me okay and how, okay so how did it change well I just I thought could thought more consciously about food. Not that I don't, but you know, we, I just, I, I just did after the first trimester. Cause in the first trimester, like hands up, I basically lived on toast and cereal. <laughs> for three months. Like I know they say, and this is, and this is also where the research, you know, it says you should, you know, in the first trimester is when everything, um, you know, the baby can develop, um, palate their palate and things like your preferences for tastes and stuff like let's be honest you just eat carbs all the time <laughs> that is basically it because when you're feeling sick you've just got to get through the day um so after that though then i did start to think about right am i actually 
eating more fruit and vegetables consciously? Am I really, you know, looking after myself? Am I making sure that I go to bed early and not stay up too late, you know, when I'm tired, things like that. Um, yeah, just because it, it just, it, it changes your mindset just completely. You just think, oh yeah, it's not just me anymore. It is someone else. And that someone else can't help themselves. They've only got you. Yes. Yeah. Did you, did your sort of, did your internal signals or intuition around food change at all? So you said like it became something you were definitely more conscious of in your second trimester, I think. Yeah. I think you just said that. But um, did, so, and then you were like, right, cool. So am I eating enough fruit and veg, et cetera. But did, were there any other things you might've had to battle against? So I'm at the moment, I'm like, okay, maybe it's, it's very well, like you said, reading a book and then being like, you need to be conscious of all these things. But are you also like, well, it makes sense to have fruit and veg, but my appetite isn't there, or I fancy this. Oh, totally, yeah, totally. So like, um, I didn't drink tea or coffee for my whole pregnancy, and I love tea and coffee. Like, so that was a them. choice, or you? No, I just couldn't drink it. Like, just would make me feel awful. Like, completely. Yeah, so stuff like. Yeah. And genuinely, like, I love coffee. Like, I, it's something that I love, and I talk about it in um, the blog that I wrote on food. Because I'm such a massive foodie, my appetite, it, it kind of did change. And I didn't, I just didn't love food anymore. I ate, I was, I was thinking about food and making sure that I was like including as much variety as I could. But my love of cooking, my love of trying different foods, it had gone. And I was really scared that it wouldn't come back. Okay. Um, and I, come I, back? I write about that. Sorry. Has it come back? Yeah, yes, I thought so. Cool. <laughs> Thankfully. Um, yeah. So, but it, it, you know, and, and that wasn't just in the first trimester that lasted for, um, throughout my whole pregnancy where I was, you know, I, I just thought, gosh, will this come back? This is my life. This is what I love. This is what I educate people about it. You know, what, what am I going to do if it doesn't come back? Um, but it did thankfully. Um, and then you, and then you also just tend to which happens to a lot of people lose your appetite anyway, as, as you get bigger, you haven't got enough room to really eat a lot. Um, and that becomes important because you need to make sure that you're eating kind of little and often to maintain your calorie intake because you can't eat a large portion yeah. because you just get too full. Um, yeah. So does that answer the question? Sorry. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the, um, I said this would happen. I was like, we've got some questions, but what we'll do is dance around them and like have yeah. a really good chat. And I just go on a tangent all the time. I oh, love it. Love like, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With, so I, was it actually, or try not to lead with my questions. When you went through a, not a, a lack of love for food, or but your your love of food, which had been super prevalent, maybe was diminishing a little bit as, as you were going through your pregnancy. Do you think that uh, on one hand, there might have been some positive uh, experiences for you that you could then take with people that you are going to work with who maybe don't have an intrinsic love of food? So yeah. does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. So like, um, um, so for example, if I go through a phase and this is not pregnancy, don't, <laughs> not suggesting God, it is. Don't if I go through a phase, I'm feeling lazy and I'm like, ah, oh. so I love food as well. And I'm really happy to cook and stuff, but I'm feeling lazy. I then have to put myself in the position of, okay, I need to systemize. How do I do this? Yeah. I need to prep my food. And it's really good experience for me because we're often working with people 
that don't necessarily have an intrinsic love of food, which drives yeah. them to the hob to like make their stir yeah. fry. Yeah. So that can be a valuable experience then when working with clients. Yeah, no, yeah, that's pretty much um, what I, what the lines I was going down actually. Yeah, so I look, I the whole love of food thing. You're completely right in that that doesn't come to a lot of people. It doesn't come to many people to be honest. But I think w the way that I use um, that time period, it just makes you appreciate that can about convenience food. And I think that that is convenience food is often demonized so much and i'm talking about things like um even down to things like protein like protein shakes and stuff like that but also like ready meals frozen pizzas like all of those kind of things that take two minutes to prepare yeah. that actually can be really nutritious for somebody that doesn't really like cooking or doesn't have a love of food or even doesn't have a palate that is you know really wide and, yeah. and versatile um so yeah and i a lot of the recipes that and advice that i give to clients are things like that so how to use kind of convenience food to still make it nourishing because when you're working with uh particularly women who are mums which are like i say a lot of my client base they don't have a lot of time and that's normally their biggest barrier to change is that Oh, that's amazing. But I can't make that. Like I don't have time to spend, you know, two hours because I've got three children running around. Like what can I make that is going to suit me? That's going to support my goal to get where I want to, but also look after my family and my husband or partner, uh, you know, all at the same time. Yeah. So yeah, I think, and I think that there is definitely a place for convenience food. Um, despite what a lot of people think, they think, oh, well, to be healthy, I've got to make everything from scratch and I have to meal prep every Sunday and I have to, you don't. Yes. Like, you don't. It, you know, some meal prep is good and having a few home cooked dinners a week is lovely, but that's not the reality for a lot of people. You're so right. And that transparency, the way you're talking now, the way you use your social media would be so important to, uh, neutralize what the other bit of social media is and it's like everything's perfect look how well my yeah. tupperware all looks like that picture of the tupperware all yeah. stat and you can imagine a mum being like i can't do this like i can't that yeah. but what we're coming in and being like is actually no that's not necessarily good nutrition good nutrition yeah. can include your convenience foods etc yeah imagine that's absolutely. a really reassuring thing to hear no it is it is and we all and like let's just be like brutally honest here like we all eat those kinds of foods Yes. Like it's, it's not normal to not eat those food. Like, do you know what I mean? It's, that's unusual to find somebody that just cooks absolutely everything all the time, seven days a week, three meals a day, all snacks, 365 days a year. Like that, that doesn't really happen. They're unicorns. They're unicorns, they Kate. Yeah. yeah, they're unicorns. <laughs> totally. A great way to describe them. Unicorns. How, how do we define a healthy mum? Um, Look, I think a healthy mum is a happy mum. Uh, and I, and I yeah. mean that in terms of like happiness is first. So you, you have to come at things from a place of being happy. And I'm, I'm forever like, and I get, I get told this, like happy all the time. And the, the fact is, is that I'm actually not happy all the time. And I try to make that transparent to people, but you've got to be happy most of the time. It's the same old thing that we talk about in the, in the world of like weight loss and fat loss, like 
20%, that whole thing around like food and being, you know, 80% of food is like really highly nutritious and then 20% isn't, etc. It's the same in terms of like you, you've got to be happy with what you've got because that will then enable you to be healthy moving forward. And then we start looking at things like your nutrition, movement, stress levels, hydration, um, all of those different, all of those different things, because you can't focus on being healthy and being the best version of you for your family if you're not happy or coming yeah. from a place of happiness. And that's really difficult because you've just undergone so many changes. So your body's changed. You've got a human, which if it's your first baby, you're like, wow, what the hell just happened? Um, <laughs> you know, everything's changed. Also, you're probably not sleeping a lot, which is another form of stress. Um, and actually before you've got to kind of look at all of those different things, but, um, I think just being, con the first point is just being content and waking up, you know, and, and being like, right, today's a new day. If, if yesterday wasn't that great or today is a new day anyway, like I'm happy for what I have and then we'll look at everything else. So if someone comes to see you and they, then, and, and they also saw, what we might put as this uh, this straw man, what might be a nutrition coach, okay. not considering the happiness of the of the individual. Yeah. What would their experiences look like with you versus with another coach? So, what what is that differentiation in practice? Yeah, so we've got um, like two elements. So, in my online coaching, where we're working in a group, um, we spend uh, a lot of time talking about um, things that don't just focus on body image, which is a lot of, which is what a lot of mums um, really struggle with. We do, I encourage a lot of like self-reflection and then we do. So one of the things we do, which is really positive is like a weekly check-in form and they actually get that back. And a lot of people, um, at the start say, Oh, um, Oh yeah, sorry. I haven't done my weekly check-in form. And I just say the weekly check-in form is for you. Yeah. It's not for me. Yeah. Like I read it and that's great, but it's for you so that you can see. And we talk about things like what, what have been your wins this week? Like, you know, how will you feel? It's a lot about how they're feeling as opposed to um, here's your macros. This is what you need to eat. Yeah. And then in six weeks, you're going to be half a stone lighter, but actually you might not feel very good. Yes. And I think that the whole thing is about feeling like you have um, somebody that's listening. So that, so that's in the group. And then when I work one-to-one -one with people, it's very much the same, but they obviously get a lot more FaceTime with me. So we can talk through things through in a lot more detail. Uh, we can go into depth and like problem solve and, um, and do all of those things because we've got more time to do it, yeah. um, but we just yeah. do it kind of like a little bit of that in the online coaching. And then when we move into the community, there's just loads of people in there and they can all share ideas. And actually I think for a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of women, a lot of mums, it's all just about being part of something, isn't it? And being heard yeah. and being understood and listened to. Absolutely. And one of the golden levers you've got there is you've created a culture where that yeah. is the norm. The, yeah. and because and, that would be much harder to do if you were in a group of people who were just talking about their macros and being yeah. like hey guys I just want to sort of like self-reflect and do a bit of self-care 
that's yeah. much harder yeah. to do. And you by, by you creating that culture, it nurtures that environment. And then the people in it are able to yeah. relax and do that, which is fantastic. And what I've found as well is that most people will come with a weight loss goal and by the end, so on their check-in forms, it's, oh, I've lost one pound or two or whatever. Um, and my body measurements is this. By the end, their check-in forms are, um, oh, I managed to go for two runs this week and I did a strength workout at home and I feel amazing. And actually the reference to weight is very much. And, and this week I didn't lose any weight, but it doesn't matter because... I cooked three meals for my family. And yes, Kate. That's really nice because it, you, I can see that their mindset has shifted. They still want to lose weight, which is fine, but actually their priorities have changed. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing. And you can, you can literally imagine, you can literally imagine those individuals going in, filling the check-in format for the first time, then fast forward five, six months, whenever the, and the check-in, you can imagine that they're happier. Yeah. And the focus has become the process and their quality of life. That's lovely. And that's why I say it's for them. I'm like, this form's yeah. for you. So when I say to you in three months, go back and read your check-in form from week two and now read this week's check-in form, they go, oh, yeah. It's that light, that light bulb moment. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. So Have good. you always, has your practice uh, changed over like the last three years? Yeah, definitely. I mean, gosh, I've, look, I have, I think experience in the nutrition and health industry, it changes how you view things. Like when I left uni um, and I'll make no, um, like, I don't know what the right word is, but it, it didn't, I didn't leave as a really amazing coach. The experience that I've had over the years has changed. You know, I used to be all about, I mean, I've done every diet under the sun. I, this was years ago, like probably 10 years ago, eight years ago. Um, I have, uh, I've, I've given bad advice. I have, like, I think we all have. And we, we look have. back and go, oh, wow. Like, I can't believe that I said that once, you know? Um, and I've given bad advice in terms of like one-to-one stuff, but also like when I was working in my um, catering job, like I look back at some of the stuff I wrote and was like, wow. I can't believe I wrote that. But also I think at that time, you know, you've got to make it relative to at that time. Yeah. That was probably what was going on uh, and what was being said. Uh, and I think now with social media, particularly, I found it so positive in terms of learning from other industry leaders uh, and like changing how I, um, how I view things, how I say things, what my opinion is. And yeah, it's definitely changed and it will continue to change and it will continue to evolve because that is the health and fitness industry is, that's what it does. Yeah. Especially when it follows the science and there's more and more, which is so lovely. There's more and more weight being put on the, uh, like the, the behavioral aspect to to change, which is lovely and so important. Yeah. And like, look, I will openly say that, that, and that whole point around behavior, like years and years ago, I would, I didn't um, associate behavior as part of um, nutrition. I was like, well, this is what you just need to eat. Like, this is, that's it. Why can't you just do that? Yeah. <laughs> so like, but we aren't robots as humans, you know, and there is it. And, and behavior now is so important in, um, in maintaining a healthy life. T- totally. Mm. Um, 
on that uh, on that topic of advice and like conventional uh, nutrition advice, in your time working with mothers and as being a mother, do you come across? So, how would you advise a mother who was concerned about that conventional healthy nutrition advice, uh, thinking that it might conflict with breastfeeding? Because I think you've got two you've got two sort of camps there as well. You've got the you can't possibly change your food and you've got the other aspect where it's like everything needs to change yeah yeah so look i think that there's two there's two things there first of all what i'd say is there's a hell of a lot of pressure on women to breastfeed and it's not the only way and that is changing but um we need to stop uh putting pressure on on women because it, it's just unnecessary and some some women just can't breastfeed so um if you want to do it great and if you can do it great and if you can't you don't need to justify yourself to everybody else or to the big wide world out there but you probably feel like you do um but where you do you don't. think that comes from sorry to interrupt you okay no 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 it's fine um i just i think it probably comes from a bit of um not a bit of history, if I'm honest, and that's not intentional. It's that same thing we spoke about before where um, it can, people can make you anxious, but they don't really mean to. So it's probably like the generation before our generation, you know, they didn't have all the types of formula and nutrition that we have now. You know, like I spoke to my mum and she was, uh, she was telling me, she's like, oh yeah, well, when we, you know, when I was having you guys, she's like, we didn't have all these like fancy breast pumps and all this kind of stuff. Like we, you know, that was just how it was. It was yeah. so different. Um, and I, but I think then it was like, you know, you had to breastfeed and then that, so that's been passed to them. And then like our parents passed that down to us and, and it's just, it's a societal pressure. Cool. And I also think this is where um, social media doesn't help in that you do have people out there that are like, Oh yeah, it's, you know, this is amazing. And, and it's really easy. And yes, it might be easy for you, but it's not easy for everybody. Yeah. Like, and, and you need to have transparency to both. It does get easier if you, if you pursue it, but at the start, like it's awful. It is awful. So there need, that needs to um, be shown a little bit more, I think. Um, Yeah. From that perspective, in terms of, uh, what did you say just about healthy uh, nutrition advice after you've had your baby? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then it can, and then conventional nutrition advice, mothers being concerned that conventional nutrition advice might conflict with breastfeeding. So, so, so how we might advise, I don't know, you see lots of people talking about a calorie deficit, for example, yeah. Yeah. and mother being concerned that that might conflict with breastfeeding. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, um, there is a lot of advice that you shouldn't diet when you're breastfeeding um, in terms of like trying to lose weight uh, and things like that. What I would say is that, so breastfeeding, we know um, expends more calories and it has a lot of benefits for women in terms of um, it does help them um, lose any uh, weight that they may have gained during pregnancy. Uh, it does have benefits to the mother in terms of reducing risk of ovarian cancer and things like that. Uh, in terms of being really, really nutritious for the baby as well. Um, But what I would say is that trying to get your nutrition back on track is probably one of the best things you can do for yourself after being uh, pregnant. And there, I wouldn't advise anybody going on a super restrictive diet. And I don't advise that anyway, to be honest with you. Um, But there, 
once your milk is established and once you're established feeding, I, if somebody's, if some, if a mother's goal is to lose weight, then there's no, there's no harm in doing that as long as she's getting enough calories, as long as she's not hungry. So you can't, you will find that um, because you're burning more calories breastfeeding, you may get hungry. It's just important to honor those hunger signals with nutritious foods. So lots of fruit and vegetables, make sure, I think probably more importantly uh, in terms of breastfeeding would be hydration opposed to food intake. So make sure that you're drinking more water because that will um, have a really big impact on your um, milk production, if that makes sense. So I wouldn't be going into any crazy diets or anything like that. I wouldn't, obviously I wouldn't recommend that either. Um, but any fad diets can, will impact your, um, milk production. But as long as you're taking that sustainable approach, being in a calorie deficit while breastfeeding isn't harmful, not based on any science or evidence that I've read anyway. Similarly to you saying how important is that, um, maybe more transparency would help women who didn't want to breastfeed and, yeah. and be like, look, that's okay. Yeah. Similarly, in that instance, it would be nice to have more transparency about, um, or even it being less taboo for women to want to invest in themselves while they're breastfeeding. Because I'm sure that some women see what's out in the media and they feel they might feel guilty for being like, oh, just, oh, maybe I want to lose a bit of weight. I want to, I want to feel better about myself. But is that a bad thing? Am I not putting my baby first? But it's so lovely to hear those. No, that's okay. Like you can do that provided you are able to still listen and honor your internal yeah. cues. Yeah. And I, look, I think Louis as well, it, it's, um, what was I going to say? I've just lost my train of thought, but it was around, um, that whole thing around, um, weight. That's where I was going with it is that we know in nutrition that maintaining a healthy weight is your biggest, biggest driver to be healthy, right? So you can do all of the other things, but actually maintaining a healthy weight for you, whatever that is, is really, really important. And it doesn't change. If In fact, it probably becomes more important when you have children because you're, you're staying healthy for you so that you can look after them in the best version of yourself. Amazing. Yeah. Love that analogy as well. So important. Even you could probably draw away from mums as well with that, like take a human being of whom has other people that relies on them and they pour themselves out. It's like, actually you need that self care to be able to give because otherwise you get burnout and then you get ill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Are there other myths? So we talked about sort of breastfeeding being like, you absolutely have to do it. Um, and that you can't consider your nutrition uh, while you're breastfeeding. Are there any other myths that you think mothers might be, or, or new mothers might be thinking about as they're approaching, uh, whether they're approaching birth or whether they're going through pregnancy at the moment, where you'd like to draw more clarity on? Um, I guess breastfeeding is probably the main one. Um, cool. And I touched, I touched on earlier just about expectations around birth in terms of like, don't kind of close your mind in on one thing. Um, other nutrition myths, I mean, where do you even start? I think the standard, I think the standard ones just apply to, to mark, to mums and mothers to be, but they, but they're probably more heightened because you've got, you know, you've got to remember that hormones at that point in your life are absolutely raging everywhere. You know, like you cry like that for no reason, because 
you know, the washing was hung up the wrong way um, or something, you know, it would be like that. So therefore any other dietary advice can kind of be taken out of context. So there's not, look, there's not any specific myths that I personally found, but my mind is obviously probably a bit more in tune to blocking them out. Um, But all I'd say is that if anyone is reading something and they think, oh, I'm not question everything. So, Oh, I'm not really sure. Ask, ask a professional. So, you know, you, you know where to find me. I'm sure you'll share my details. There's other nutrition professionals that specialize um, particularly in this area uh, online that you can go to ask the question. um, And yeah, just don't buy it. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, is always my advice on that. Yeah. And definitely ask the question if it goes, if your instinct is screaming like what? Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. That it, it, the same. The same thing applies to people who aren't pregnant. You get that. Yeah. And the 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 thing that is the saddest is that these often hit the most health-seeking individuals. People who are ready to commit, they get yeah. caught out by something which blindsides them, and then they yeah. apply that commitment to something which just doesn't serve them well, and then they feel like they failed at the end. Yeah. If your instinct yeah. is screaming, check it. Then for sure, check it and reach out to a professional to do so. It's great advice. Yeah. Definitely. In hindsight, is there anything that you would do differently in the build up to your pregnancy or during pregnancy? Okay, so yeah, I um I've I guess there's two things I like one in terms of like becoming a mum but also two around my business. So I'll start with my business first, but I think for anybody that is freelance or starting a business or anything like that that's listening, my biggest thing I would do differently there would be to be more brave um, and just put yourself out there because you, you know what you're about, you know your story, you have your, um, your own business or your ideas of where you want to go and just be brave and put yourself out there because you only need one person to believe in you or um, work with you and that's kind of where it spirals. So I would say that be brave um, awesome. and also spend more time on business development. That would be my biggest, anybody that <laughs> never ever spend time on business development. You're like, oh yeah, I'll just do that later because this work's paid and it's more important, but it's not more important because then you don't get paid work if you don't develop your business. So just that would be my, my um, things there. I think as a mum and this, look, loads of women say this, but just don't compare yourself. Um, don't compare yourself anyway to anyone, irrespective of if you're a man, woman, anyone it doesn't matter um don't compare yourself don't compare your child to other children do what works for you there will be a million and one different things that you get told um and look i started doing that and i've got i've found myself at the start going down rabbit holes on the internet of reading like why is my baby waking up at 2 30 in the morning like every you know all of those different things you can go in this rabbit hole and before you know it, you've spent an hour and you're on some unknown website that has nothing to do with what you started looking up. And actually for me, then I went back and was like, this is not what my research brain would do. I would go to the research and read the research because that's (laughs) what I do in my job. Um, But what I would say is just don't compare yourself as much, either you, your journey um, or your, or your child, because it can be really detrimental to your health. And the second that I stopped doing that, 
um, personally, it just, I was so much happier. I was more content with what I was doing was the right thing. So you, and, and you will know, and, I, and this applies to everybody, that whole thing about your gut instinct, your gut is always right. It's always right. So, so if it's telling you, trust it. Yes. That's what I'd say. That is great advice for everyone. Like you said, that everyone. is fantastic advice for Anyone. everyone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, um, what about uh, this? So we've talked a lot about uh, things that we can do to help ourselves or things that mothers yeah. can do to help themselves. What yeah. about partners listening? So if you're, if you're, a, um, if you're the partner of a mother who is pregnant, what yeah. can they be doing to be as supportive as they can be, whether it's relating to their self-care or nutrition or... Yeah. 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 Such a good question. Actually. I think, um, one of the things that we did and we did this together a lot and I understand that we love food, but, um, is I just, the partner may want to spend a bit of time in the kitchen or getting some convenience meals. Like the meals you can buy at the moment are amazing. Like meal delivery companies and stuff like that. Stock up your freezer, like a really good job for the partner. Um, if, if, you know, they like food if they don't. So either cook or buy, stock up your freezer with food um, would be one of my uh, right. tips. Um, and, and you can do that over time. You can start that like ages before the baby's due yes. and just slowly build it up. But that really helps because when you're stuck and you're tired and you are just going to order a pizza um, for like the seventh night in a row, you can actually go to the fridge and get something different. I'll yes. go to the freezer rather. So that would be one of the tips. Listen, be patient. Um, they're not tips, anything to do with nutrition, but they can all help. Um, yeah, they would be, they would just be my tips. The, the freezer one is a massive one. It just really helps. And yeah, be kind, be patient. Um, try to understand, even though you probably can't. Um, <laughs> just, yeah, I know. Like just, just be there. Um, just be there and listen would be my advice what give us an idea of what one of those meals in the freezer might look like oh so we had loads but our stock is so diminished at the moment because we've just <laughs> eaten and not cooked anything to put in there so we had stuff like um beef musselman curry um i've got a lentil bolognese that's in there at the moment just the sauce not the pasta um we had a chicken um a chicken curry like with chickpeas and nice. veggies and all of that uh, what else have I got? Oh, soup. Soup's a winner. So like yes. we had a really big batch of like potato and lentil chili soup in there for a while. All stuff like that. Hey, if you're listening to this and you're not pregnant, definitely do this anyway. It sounds like such a good day. <laughs> Just going to yeah, the and freezer. <laughs> to be honest, like people, people would say that, like, I can't believe that your freezer looks like that. And I said, yeah, but it will come in handy and it really has. And I think it particularly because of where we are with like being in lockdown and stuff. Um, it really has, but you, when you're cooking a tip that I say, like I've got a couple of tips that I give out quite regularly to clients is when you're cooking, cook a double batch yes. and then freeze the other half in like one or two portions. And my other tip for a bit, I mean, this applies to everyone, particularly in the current climate is make your dinner in the morning. I always say this, Whoa. make your dinner in the morning because then if, if you don't achieve anything else that day, you've made your dinner. Kate, you are dropping bombs. Yes. 
I love that. <laughs> but it's true. And but that doesn't mean that you're saying, like, get your Kellogg's K ready for dinner time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could, no, no. But, like, make something that morning. Then when it gets to the evening and you're tired, you're wrecked. Yes. Like, you, you've made, you're going to probably choose something more nutritious and you will feel productive because you've done something. That is so good. And actually, the reason I had such a reaction to that was that point you just said. You begin the day with such a win. You yeah. kill the end task of the day yeah. straight away. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. Like, that's such good advice. That is amazing advice. Just um, there's something else I wanted to ask you, and I've totally lost it with the excitement. Are there, any other <laughs> are there any other tips or habits that you'd recommend that maybe people... I mean, those are fantastic. You almost jumped onto this question already. Are there any other tips or habits that you think are really good, maybe to build up before you, as opposed to it being like, right, you give birth and then you have to change your life. Are there things that yeah. we can start to build up before then? Yeah, totally. So look, that's that's one. Another one for the morning, if you're not really keen on making your dinner in the morning, is just make your bed. Um, yeah. Because if you don't achieve anything, like you've made your bed and that's nice. Um, another one would be like looking up your supplements and stuff. So make sure that you're taking just generally the supplements you should be taking. So we know like vitamin D uh, for women, it's folic acid um, and omega-3. If you're not eat, eating oily fish, there are other ones, but they're kind of like your blanket ones. Um, my other tips would just be, I guess, organization is a massive one for me um, because you, we organize most of our life, yet we don't organize ourself if that makes sense so we organize meetings we go to meet friends we like organize our weekly shop we do all of those things but we don't um plan like our own food and nutrition that's going yeah. in so like so that's the whole thing about the reference to the freezer so getting organized will help uh that would be a, a big thing for me and it might even be it might not be making you dinner in the morning but it might be like planning a couple of nights to you know, the next two nights I'm going to have this meal and this meal. It might be packing your lunch the night before. It might be making oats the night before and putting them in the fridge, things like that. And they're things that you don't have to do every day, but they're just things that will help you and help your nutrition stay on track. Um, another one um, I would say just around tips and habits, this is particularly for mums and mums-to-be, is um, be, to be patient. Uh, and that takes practice. And again, going back to that, the we spoke at the start, we live in this such a fast paced world. Now, 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 everything was needed yesterday. Um, being patient is something that you will need to practice because you will need it because there are going to be times that will test your patience. And that's just speaking from personal experience where my patience has been tested on a number of times um, and I'm getting better at it. But if you can just practice like being calm and patient in situations rather than you know getting stressed uh that can help and that's things like looking out the window and just taking deep breaths for yeah. one or two minutes can completely change your mindset and it sounds silly but things like that will really help you know taking a step out of your back door or out onto the road and just walking you know up and down your street for even one or two minutes if you can and coming back in with a fresh mind um being patient is a really is a really key thing especially if you buy into training and you appreciate that like it's the accumulation of your experiences in the gym which cause those adaptations 
then I hope that that's enough to then buy into that, which is totally right. Practicing and training those virtues, which at the end of the day will serve you really well when you need them. Yeah. And I can imagine having a baby does bring them to the need. (laughs) Oh, mate, like, I'm not even, I just, yeah, the whole patience thing, like, you've just got to, and and one of my friends said to me um, the other day, I, she said, like, everything's just a phase. And that is, and she said, I've lived my last, the last six years of my life getting through the tough times by saying to myself, it's just a phase. Um, <laughs> and I, and now that's me. I'm like, oh, it's just a phase. <laughs> that comes with the whole patience thing. Cause I'm like, oh, it's just a phase. Like you just, it does become easier, but being patient will help. Yeah. <laughs> a good, a, and again, a good virtue for us all to practice yes. patience. Yes, absolutely. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before I ask you where people can find you? Not really, just that it's been lovely to chat and just, you know, share experiences and talk about nutrition, which is obviously what I love. Um, and just, I, well, I would just like to say during this time, particularly because it's, um, you know, it's so uncertain and people are really struggling that, um, yeah, just really try to wake up each day and start the day with a positive thought that will get you through the day. If it's not something that you have done before, then maybe that can be something that you can start tomorrow or the next day. Uh, Because I think waking up and trying to be positive from the get go will help you kind of get through the day, particularly now. So yeah. What a lovely thing for people to focus on. Now, if people do want more support, they want to find you, Kate, how can they do that? So I am on Instagram is my main social media handle and I'm the food boss. My handle is at the underscore food underscore boss underscore, which I know is really, really long. It was all that was available at the time. Um, but yeah, you can find me by searching the food boss um, or Kate Law um will also come up that's my main handle i'm also on linkedin um and i am on facebook as well uh and i have my own website which is www.thefoodboss.co.uk so you can also find me there and we'll link to that we'll link to that in the show notes as well amazing Um, and people have you still got space for people to join your group coaching and your one-to-one coaching yeah, definitely. So my clinic's reopened now uh, for one-to-one coaching. So you can get in touch and all my brochures and stuff are on my website. My uh, group coaching, I'm currently in the middle of an intake at the moment. So there will be another intake probably in the summertime, uh, which I'll publicize. Um, but my community can be joined at any time. Uh, so it's just a, it's a small weekly fee. Um, you can join that at any time and then go on to the coaching or you can do the coaching and then join the community. There's no like it doesn't really matter what way so yeah i've definitely got availability and um yeah that's it yes yes now kate do you know what this last question is going to be oh no i didn't realize there was another one (laughs) (laughs) if i gave you an extra two hours a day what would you do with them oh two hours a day like time right everyone says they don't have enough time so I would probably break it down because I wouldn't want to do something for two hours. One, because it'd just be too long and I'd get bored. And two, because I like to do like achieve a lot. So I'd probably do, I'd spend half an hour calling a friend and actually like 
sitting down and talking to them, not trying to do other things while I'm on the phone to them at the same time. So I'd probably do that. I would spend half an hour on business development because I just said to you before that you never spend time (laughs) on it. And then I'd probably with the extra hour, um, maybe just do something for myself. So go for a walk, do some cooking, maybe come up with a new recipe, um, have a bath, something like that to look after myself because I don't at the moment I wouldn't have I wouldn't do that every day at the moment because it's just my life is hectic enough so yeah I'd split it down call a friend do half an hour of business development and then spend a bit of time on myself lovely okay that is wicked (laughs) That, that is awesome also that sounded like I know you didn't know that question was coming up but it sounded like pretty well organized this half an hour goes there, this half an hour goes here, and then this hour goes there. <laughs> yeah, I do like to have things <laughs> as much as possible. <laughs> do you know, you said, when you said about like speaking to your friend and not doing something else, one of the positives I've certainly noticed, and I know others have as well during this like weird phase of lockdown, is that you really are only speaking to people deliberately. Like you're not bumping into people so much anymore, like at work or wherever it may be. You're calling someone to speak to them. And it's yeah. meant that conversations become while well, perhaps more scarce when you are having conversations they're much more deliberate and considered and engaged which is such yeah. a progressive thing i think for us to do yeah yeah absolutely and it's also when you're seeing people so now that we can kind of like see a couple of people it's actually it just means so much more and i think that will be such a positive thing that will come out of this is that we will value things so much more we will value our friendships, our relationships, our social health, ourselves, looking after ourselves because, you know, you just don't know what's around the corner. Absolutely. And now lots of people have had a taste of more time with their family, more time outdoors. Like, hey, actually, I'm willing to maybe sacrifice a bit of my income to enjoy a bit more of my time and my life. That's yeah. a good thing in my book anyway. Absolutely. I agree. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. People know where to find you. Um, I hope there was loads. uh, Well, no, there definitely was loads of stuff for people to take (laughs) away, but I'm hoping that people have come away from that, not only with the knowledge bombs, but also super reassured. Um, Especially when there's there's so much information out there, which probably makes it slightly more stressful than easier to navigate. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm very pleased that there's space for people to work with you as well. I'm sure I I really hope that people, if they are looking for that direction, you'd be a great place for people to go to, even if they've got questions on the topic of pregnancy. Holy moly, Kate, that was fantastic. Literally sitting here, recognising that we have all just been knowledge bombed. That was fantastic. And what is super special about that is I really hope that any mums listening to this or dads are able to take away those tools, put them in their armory, of which I know is already extensive, and to kit you out as the superheroes that you are, taking on one of the most amazing challenges of being parents, having to rock your own lives, your partner's lives, and your children's lives, and doing such a good job of it too. If you need to seek Kate out, which I would hugely encourage you to do, um, check out the show notes and you can see her contact information there and check out her website as well. I know Kate's got a group that you can join as well um, and you can also do one-to-one coaching with her too. If you have any questions, as I said at the beginning, just let me know. Um, I can put you in contact with Kate as well. And finally, thank you so much for listening. This is for you guys. Um, You are the purpose and the motivation behind it. You guys literally rock. (laughs) Can't wait to speak to you soon. Pow.